those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. And welcome to the Movie Pit Podcast. I am your host, Christian. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. It's uh, gonna be quite another podcast. Uh, so, uh, hello. This is, of course, like I mentioned, the Movie Pit Podcast, where we talk about all the big breaking movie news items that have come out throughout the week. We also talk about the big movie trailers that dropped this week, and boy, do we have quite of those, quite a few of those this week. We also talk about the movies that are coming out in theaters this weekend. This week, we only have one big movie coming out this uh, this weekend. And everything far and in between. Uh, so, hello, like I mentioned, it's probably going to be another big podcast. So, I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how big it will be, but I'm assuming that's probably what it's gonna, what's going to happen. So, let's not waste any time. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about some of the movie news items that dropped. We're kind of going to speed a little bit through them, just because uh, it was kind of a slow week this week. And at least in terms of movie news, trailer-wise... There was a lot of trailers to drop this week. Uh, we're only going to talk about a, uh, a, good, a handful of them, a few of them, but um, uh, it seemed to be kind of the trailer week this week instead of the movie news. Uh, I think everyone's still kind of recovering from Comic-Con, and we will be talking about Comic-Con. I did have a plan to do a separate-only Comic-Con podcast. Uh, that didn't happen because of work, but, uh, for the, but pretty much for the most part, we're going to be talking about uh, a very... Very quick, uh, well, not very quick, but quick-ish uh, report of Comic-Con, just because, you know, everything's pretty much already been said, but uh, I just want to throw my two cents in there for Comic-Con as well. And we also have the return of Mike on the podcast this week. He sent us his Comic-Con thoughts. Uh, we'll have those later on in the podcast. So uh, let's just get right to it. There was no big movie news uh, big movie news items that came out after the podcast came up last week, mo- mo- mostly because of Comic-Con. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into Quickfire. I only have one Quickfire movie news item that I want to talk about because it sounds interesting, but... We have the director attached, which kind of lessens my enthusiasm. So, Catherine Hardwick, she has directed the first Twilight movie. Don't I, I know, just bear with me. Uh, Red Riding Hood, the one with Amanda Seyfried and Gary Oldman. I think it was Gary Oldman? I think it was Gary Oldman. I didn't watch it. Uh, I didn't... I, I, then I didn't hear anyone saying it was really good. Uh, but she most recently directed Ms. Bala, which came out earlier this year. It was okay. We'll talk about Miss Bala at the end of the year. Uh, she has signed on, Catherine Hardwick, to direct the live-action adaptation of the Volt comic series Heathen, uh, which for those unfamiliar, like myself, I never heard of the comic book series, mixes Norse mythology, Vikings, and some queer heroism into one epic story. So the series uh, centers on a character named Adis. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She is a fierce Viking warrior who was scorned by her village for kissing another woman, and then, after witnessing widespread injustice toward women, declares a one-woman feminist war on Odin himself and his whole family, which will include Thor. Uh, so the series also includes Lady Pirates, that's how it was quoted in one of the news reports that I read, Mermaids and Other Magical Beings. Uh, it sounds pretty interesting, it sounds pretty cool, obviously, you know, the only thing that we know about 
Norse mythology at this point is everything that comes out from the MCU. At least moving, obviously, if you're a big Norse mythology fan, then obviously that's not the case. But uh, for the most part, on screen, we know everything from the MCU. So this will be a nice little, uh, you know, detour from all that. Uh, Carrie Williamson, she wrote the Alex Cross movie that came out a few years ago. She also wrote the Netflix film What Happened to Monday, is writing the script, and reports say that Constantine Films, which is the studio behind the movie, is keen on keeping the momentum on the project going after it's been uh, announced, so casting is expecting to begin soon. Uh, so we'll obviously keep an eye on that. Like I mentioned, I, the premise sounds pretty interesting. It sounds pretty cool. Who is involved, directing-wise, anyway? Uh, not so much, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. All right. So that was the only quick-fire movie news item that I really wanted to uh, to point out. Let's move on to this week's trailer talk. Coming soon to theaters. So, like I mentioned, there was a lot of trailers that dropped this week. We're not going to talk about all of them. Very quickly, there was a another scary stories to tell in the dark trailer. It's mostly kind of what the TV spots going around, the newest TV spot is, with the exception of showing kind of an extended scene almost uh, at the beginning of it, which introduces the Jangly Man, which is a new creation for the movie. And I found out it's not a CGI creature. It's actually someone in... Uh, in in a costume, it's a contort. Uh, I can't even now. I can't even say the word. It's it's someone who can twist their body around. You know what I'm talking about. And for so, whatever reason, I can't pronounce the word. You have no idea how many times I tried before I edited out everything. Uh, how many times I tried to say the word and I couldn't do it. You suck. It's basically kind of a, a trailer that sh- that shows the jangly man. Uh, so there's that. There was a trailer for Playmobile the movie, which is based off uh, the toys. Uh, toys uh, play mobile if you never heard of them uh, I've never heard of them and apparently they're kind of a big thing I guess I mean they're big enough that they got their own movie so there is that the lead voice cast for that is Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Jim Gaffigan that opens in November 22nd so you can go check that out it's an animated movie obviously uh, there was the trailer for The Fanatic which is directed by Fred Durst yes that one Limbiscuit's Fred Durst this is his second directorial effort. That's right. Fred Durst has already directed a movie. This is his second one. Uh, that stars John Travolta, of all people, as a character named Moose, a diehard fan of a movie star named Hunter Dunbar, who is played by Devin Sawa, of all people. If you don't know who Devin Sawa is, go look him up. <laughs> you will instantly know who he is. Uh, who is denied a chance to meet his hero at an autograph signing. Moose then enlists the help of his paparazzi friend to locate Dunbar's house, and then things quickly take a turn. Uh, I did not watch the trailer. I heard it was crazy, uh, but I, I've already had my fill of crazy trailers with cats uh, last week, so I don't want to deal with that. So if it's up there, you want to go watch it, I'll, obviously I'll link it down below like I always do. So there's that. Uh, there was a new quick trailer for Angel Has Fallen. That's, of course, the new Gerard Butler movie. The third of the Fallen movies. There was, of course, Olympus Has Fallen. Then London Has Fallen. Now we have Angel Has Fallen. Um, Gerard Butler is back. He's playing uh, Mike Banning again, who is framed for the assassination attempt of the president, played by Morgan Freeman. Um, and he goes into action, of course, to clear his name, because he didn't do it. Uh, and he gets help from his father, played by Nick Nolte in the movie. Uh, Piper Parable is in the movie. She's actually replacing Ronda Mitra, uh, or Ronda, yeah, Ronda Mitra as, uh, no, not Ronda Mitra, that's a completely different person, uh, Ronda, 
Michelle, uh, who as uh, Banning's wife uh, in the movie. Um, I guess she couldn't come back. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is also in the movie. I think she's playing the FBI agent in charge of the case, at least from the other trailer. She wasn't in this one, weirdly enough. But uh, she's in there as well. Danny Houston looks like he's playing the bad guy, because he always does. Uh, Angel Has Fallen comes out on August uh, 23rd. So you want to go check that out. Uh, there was a new trailer for The Goldfinch. Uh, usually this will kind of go into the main trailers, but I wanted to put it here because uh, I've never read the book, The Goldfinch. Um, it's, one, it's, it's in my stack to read Settle down. I'm gonna get to it eventually. And uh, by the way, the, it's like I mentioned. Just mentioned it's based off a book. It's based off a Pulitzer Prize winning book, of of, of all things. Uh, it's directed by John Crowley, who is mostly known for directing Brooklyn that came out a few years ago. He also directed a movie called Close Circuit, which I kind of enjoy with Eric Mana. Uh, he also directed two episodes of True Detective. I don't know if it was uh, this last season or the season before, but he, he's directed two episodes of that. Uh, it's in an added bonus. The Goldfinch is actually uh, shot by uh, Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins is the cinematographer. If you know anything about cinematography, uh, you know that's pretty cool. And that stars uh, Ansel El- Elgort from Baby Driver um, and one of the John Green books. Which one was it? Uh, which, I forgot which one it was. Was it The Fall in Our Stars? And that might have been. Was that it? That might have been it. Anyway, um, Ansel Elgort as a boy whose life has. Or was upended when his mother was killed in a bombing at the Met, which is the um, Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art in New York, when he was 13 years old. Uh, I've not read, so like I mentioned, I have not read the book, uh, I, so I I can't tell um, if the from the trailer if the if the movie will be uh, you know a, a good adaptation of the book. Um, it's it, it doesn't look. Um, it looks like it might be a little depressing, uh, which obviously, given the material, uh, the plot of the of the whole thing. But um, I don't know how I felt. It, it's just it's gonna. I feel like I'm I'm gonna go in there and be like, this is really depressing. I don't know if I want to be that depressed watching a movie right now. Uh, so you got that. So the Goldfinch that co-stars Nicole Kidman, Jeffrey Wright, uh, Oaks Fegley plays the the 13 year old version of Ansel Elgort's character. Uh, with uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things is in there. Looks like they gave away a, a plot point for hit for hit from his character in the trailer. Uh, that kind of took me aback. I was like, "Is that is that part of the book? What's going on?" Uh, and and Sarah Paulson's also in the movie as well. The Goldfinch will open on September thirteenth. Um, this one's been in development for quite a bit, uh, and now it's finally coming out. So the Goldfinch. You want to go check that out? The next trailer we're just gonna quickly talk about is Harriet. Uh, this one is another one that would have gone in the main trailers, uh, but I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, so Harriet is, it stars uh, Cynthia Evero, I always mispronounce her last name, uh, which is a shame because she's a, a ter- terrific actress. Uh, she was from she was in The Bad Times at the Owl Royale, she was also in Widows. Uh, at, she plays Harriet Tubman, so the movie is about Harriet Tubman, uh, and will chronicle Tubman's escape from slavery and the subsequent uh, subsequential mention uh, missions. I can't speak uh, missions to free dozens of slaves through the Underground Railroad in facing uh, in the face of a growing pre-Civil War uh, adversity. And the reason why it's up here is because, like I mentioned, I don't know how I feel about it. Because on one end, you know, Harriet Tubman, uh, Harriet Tubman. I don't know why I said her name differently. Uh, Harriet Tubman is her life and everything that she has done. Uh, is worthy of a movie. It is is completely worthy of a movie, and I think Cynthia Ervo is uh, a, a great casting 
uh, honestly, for, for Harriet Tubman. The thing that I have somewhat of an issue with is, and I'm not, you know, none of us were really there when it happened, so we can't be like, that's wrong. Um, but I kind of, everything that we have heard uh, or read of Harriet Tubman's, you know, missions uh, and what she did for the Underground Railroad, none of it really involved a gun. And that's kind of what they're turning her into in Harriet. They're kind of turning her into this superhero-esque, you know, hero uh, kind of character. And, 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 and in every regard, honestly, Harriet Tubman is pretty much a hero uh, and a superhero. The fact that she managed to save as many people as she did uh, during the Underground Railroad is, is amazing. And like I mentioned, her life is totally worth... Uh, having a movie about her, but, uh, I don't know if maybe Harriet Tubman used that many guns in, in, in her life, uh, and again, we weren't there, we don't know, so, I don't know, that's kind of the only issue I have, what kind of that, it's like, at the same time, it's like, you know, people don't want to go watch a movie about Harriet Tubman and, and slavery and, and all that, and so let's 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 make her like an action hero, let's make her like lead an army, uh, and, you know, have a, 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 a basically a uh, a showdown with a bunch of racist white people across the river and then her and her kind of little small army by her side with guns pointing you know pointing them at each other so it's it's a little weird but um i'll go watch it i mean i'll go watch it anyway i mean like i mentioned harriet tubman's life is so so totally worthy movie but turning her into an action hero just it, it seems a little seems a little wrong but maybe maybe, maybe that's just me um, I am not one to talk about any of that, so, alright. Alright, so let's move on to the main trailers that came out this week. The first one is the first trailer for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers in here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. You okay? I'm profiling Mr. Rogers. Boyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah? Like what? There are many things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. broken people like me sometimes we have to ask for help and that's okay I think the best thing we can do is to let people know boom, that each one of them is precious hey Mr. Rogers it's 
was wonderful. Directed by Mary Ella Heller, she has directed uh, The Diary of a Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is just that. Uh, I'm not crying, you're crying after watching that trailer. It tells the story of the friendship between Fred Rogers, played by Tom Hanks in the movie, and a journalist, a man who learns uh, big life lessons from Rogers while writing a profile on him. And the, the journalist, by the way, is played by Matthew Reese in the movie. Um, it's, it's a beautiful trailer. No pun intended. Or every pun intended. Pun intended in every case. It's it's an it's a very good trailer and Tom Hanks is just you know, seeing him as Mr. Rogers just it's it, it fits. It really does. It's 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 gotten to the point now where we're like, you know, Tom Hanks I was so tired of Tom Hanks and then you see him and stuff and you're like Oh God, he's so good. So it's it's gone to the you know, and I'm 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 not tired of Tom Hanks. I'm not. I can. I'm never tired of Tom Hanks. Um, but uh, him as Mr. Rogers and seeing that trailer, it's uh it's really good. It's really great. So I, this one just has every Oscar you know nomination under its belt probably. So uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood opens November twenty second. The next trailer we're going to talk about is the teaser trailer. For Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Hey, Jojo, my old friend. Hi, Adolf. What's wrong, little man? They call me a scared rabbit. Jojo Rabbit! Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's gonna get us all killed. Written and directed by Taika Waititi himself, Jojo Rabbit is a, quote, anti-hate satire, which is based on the, uh, uh, I know this, it was based off a book, by Christine, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her last name, uh, Le Nunes, I think that's, how you, that's not how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it, and it's very wrong. Uh, the book has the same name, it's called Jojo Rabbit, so if you want to look that up. Uh, it takes place during World War II, and follows a lonely German boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler, played by Watiti, and whose world is upended when he discovers his mother, played by Scarlett Johansson, is hiding a young girl, played by Thomasin McKenzie, in their attic. The rest of the cast is filled out by Rebel Wilson, uh, Stephen Merchant, Alfie Allen, and Sam Rockwell. That opens on October 18th. It's it, it's very Watiti. You can tell right away. It kind of has a Wes Anderson vibe, and I've seen that kind of uh, thrown around uh, everywhere. So I'm that's I'm not the first person to say that. Um, but it's very good. It look it looks very cool. Watiti playing Hitler is a little weird, but um, it's it, it's interesting. Like I mentioned, you know, everyone's gonna focus on the fact that he's playing. Hitler, and they're trying to make Hitler this, you know, good, uh, this kind of this good guy, uh, but again, it's, it's a satire, I, I, um, the movie, the trailer doesn't really kind of, it, it, it does, or the teaser, I should say, it does kind of a job, a good job of, uh, make, uh, making sure that you know what the world is, and you know kind of where, you know, how, he, the little boy, the, the little the little German boy, uh, he hasn't, I, I know he has a name, but I didn't write it down, so I apologize for that. But um, it, it kind of gives you that, that good sense of, of where his mindset is and the world around him. Like, at one point, like, the trailer starts off all happy, and it's like, he's in the woods, like, he's in, like, it's almost like he's in the Boy Scouts, almost, with all these kids, and all of a sudden, it kind of transforms, and he's running around in a uh, in a destroyed city. And he's walking around with his, you know, now seeing, instead of seeing, you know, happy people in his little village, he's seeing German soldiers. So, 
it seems like, you know, obviously his, this little boy, he probably saw Hitler on TV at one point and just imagined him as this really good guy. Who knows? Uh, so obviously it's just a teaser. We don't get a lot. It's, it's very visual teaser. So I just, you know, pulled, you know, all the, the dialogue from the trailer and put it together. But, um, it looks really good. I, I I like Watiti. I like what he's done. Obviously, uh, I like Thor Ragnarok. I like what I like what he did with uh, the Hunt for Wilder people. If you haven't seen that, highly recommend that. Uh, what, what you do in the shadow or what we do in the shadows is also very good. So uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's move on to our next trailer, which is a new trailer for the sci-fi action thriller Gemini Man. When I saw him, it was like I was seeing a ghost. Like every trigger I've ever pulled. How'd he start you? Hunting birds, rabbit? I'm guessing 19, 20 years old, the first time he ordered you to shoot a person. 25 years ago, he took my blood. He made you from me. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You're just trying to rattle me. I'm trying to save you! You made a choice to do this to me. The whole point of this thing was to give you all of Henry's gifts without his pain. I don't want to shoot you. Mind if I shoot you? Henry, has this ever happened to you before? Your own government trying to kill you? Nah, that's new. Everything that we've worked for is at stake. I am just an icon living. He has to die. Use your darkness. You had to walk through this on your own. I love you, Junior. I am just an icon. Look what we created. You were the inspiration for all of this. Why not just make a whole army full of them? Why not? You should be flattered. You should be dead. This has to be stopped. Because what if somebody actually knew what we really are? Directed by Ang Lee, stars Will Smith as a retired assassin being hunted down by a 23-year-old clone of himself. And Smith does play both versions, obviously CGI, with some little CGI help, playing the younger version. Uh, the movie's been in the works for a long time, and we talked about this when the the, uh, the first, uh, I guess, trailer or teaser, I should say, came out. It's been in the works for two decades. Two decades. I can easily say how many years, in case you don't know what decades means, but decades sounds really cool and longer. Uh, so in 1997, do the math in your head, kids, uh, Tony Scott and Curtis Hansen were both attached to direct at various points. In the movie, Jerry Bruckheimer was attached almost pretty much right away. He's still attached as producer for the movie, and has since you know the the, the 
gone through a lot of different stages, obviously with two different directors. Uh, the script has gone through a lot of writers, too. It went through Brian uh, Hedgeland, who uh, wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which is the Dream Master, by the way, Assassins, L.A. Confidential, which he would have been coming off of as a writer if that movie had ever gotten made in 1997. Uh, he also then went, he, I guess he then went on to write page, uh, Payback, not Paycheck. It's a different movie. Uh, Payback, A Knight's Tale, Mystic River, Man on Fire, Re- 42, and recently Legend, the Tom uh, Hardy movie where he plays the Cray Brothers. Uh, another writer that went through the script was Andrew Nicole. Uh, he wrote Gattaca, which he would have been coming off as, or at least he would have written it around the same time as as Gattaca. He also uh, wrote the Truman Show, the Truman Show, The Terminal, In Time, and Netflix's Anon. And David Benenoff, who of course everyone now knows as one of the writers and creators of Game of Thrones, but he Benenoff has a history of working in Hollywood as well as a solo writer. He wrote Troy, he wrote The Kite Runner, and he was one of the co-writers, unfortunately, of X-Men Origins Wolverine, uh, and then he went off and wrote Brothers, which is, uh, I believe, Tobey Maguire and Jake Gyllenhaal, am I wrong about that? I'm pretty sure Tobey Maguire is one of them. But, um, yeah, the, the, they went through that. The story pitch actually came from Darren uh, Lemick, who has, since then, I mean, he's been working on other stuff, but um, since then he's has a credited uh, writer credits for Jake, and the, uh, Jake the Giant Slater, Goosebumps, and story credits on Goosebumps 2 and Shazam. Uh, he is a credited writer on the movie right now, along with Beninoff and Billy Ray, who has written... Uh, the Hunger Games and Captain Phillips. He recently wrote Overboard. Uh, and on the actor side of things, Clint Eastwood and Mel Gibson were at one point looking to star. The trailer itself uh, does delve more into the story of the movie and shows off a lot more action than the teaser did. Uh, the only nitpick I have, and I think I've been seeing other people have this nitpick as well, are some of the quick cuts. Uh, some of the quick cuts of the action. Uh, between it, it looks like uh, the will the Smiths I'll just say that the Smiths will be fighting a lot in the movie and it looks like a lot during the quick cuts it looks a little too rubbery I mean obviously it looks like they're gonna they're using a you know a stunt man to play the uh, the younger Smith during the action stuff because obviously he can't be in both places at the same time uh, I know he's, Will Smith is very impressive but he can't do that uh, so. It, it just, it looks a little kind of rubbery at times, it looks a little, you know, because obviously you, you can see his face, so I, kind of, I don't know, it just, it looks like maybe the CGI isn't finished entirely, maybe, uh, we'll have to, obviously, if that's the case, they'll obviously fix that before the movie comes out, but uh, that's kind of my only nitpick, and I think that's kind of the only, that's really kind of one of the only things that people have, I've seen, I, haven't, I didn't delve too deep into the reaction for it, but a lot of people really seem to be down for it, um, I, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm, well, I don't think I didn't mention. I actually really looking forward to this, so uh, I can't wait to see what they do with this. Um, they're, give, they're giving away a lot of the story, um, like I mentioned. Or well, not giving away, but they gave a lot more of the story in this trailer. Is what I meant to say. Gemini Man co-stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Benedict Wong, and Clive Owen. Looks like Clive Owen's playing the bad guy in this one, and opens on October fourth. We'll definitely be talking more about Gemini Man when we get closer to the release date for sure. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, let's move on to the final trailer of the week. And that is, uh, after 10 years from the release of the first movie, we finally have the sequel to Zombieland coming out. Zombieland 2, Double Tap. A 
got. Hey, possum age. <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think it would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. But do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you like. It felt so good to be on the move again. Oh! oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley! You don't have weed, do you? Do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom! Yeah! I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're gonna go get her. We ride it, Dawn. Start talking. You first. Well, my name's Tallahassee. Light him up! No! That's my right! Oh, my apologies, little Elvis. Okay, is it me or does, does he kind of remind you of. I don't oh, like you. At all. I think you double parked. <laughs> One more. Perpendicular parks. Hope we don't get a ticket. What is going on here? What? Hello, everyone. Am I hallucinating? The writers of the first film, Paul Renwick and Rhett Reese, are returning as well as director Ruben Fletcher. Double Tap brings back the original four stars and Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone to face off against a new kind of zombie that has evolved since the first movie, as well as deal with new human survivors, played by Zoe Deutsch, Evan Jovia, Thomas Middleditch, Luke Wilson, and Rosario Dawson. The trailer is great. I really like the trailer. Um, it looks like they have not lost a step at all. It looks like the, all of them, uh, Harrelson, Eisenberg, Breslin, and, and Stone, just stepped foot back into what was going on. Obviously, a lot of time has passed. Um, the world does look you know, it doesn't look too different. Obviously, again, years have passed, but it doesn't look too... It, it's not like we don't recognize it anymore. Um, and I like the way the trailer started off. It just, you know, it mentioned all their accomplishments. It almost starts off like an Oscar-baiting movie, and then it just moves on to the, uh, you know, zombie action comedy that we come to know and love. And it, and it looks like... Um, it doesn't look like they are in front of the White House. And I just, I, I, this is really cool. They're fighting in front of the White House. And it looks like the trailer goes back and forth between the action of that. So it looks really cool. As for the new characters, um, Zoe Deutsch is playing kind of like this ditzy character. Or maybe she's putting on an act, we don't know, but she's that's what she's playing. Uh, Jovio looks like a hippie, which leads to uh, Harrison's line of him wanting to punch them all. Uh, Dawson looks like she's in charge or maybe runs security or I don't know what's going on. But... Uh, the scenes kind of the looks like the way they're correlating is it takes place um, kind of in a sanctuary. It's kind of walled off. It almost looks like a like a carnival almost, which I think will be a very interesting setting depending on how everything works out. Um, and then you know there's the trailer tag with uh, Wilson and Middle Ditch, who are basically Eisenberg and Harrelson from the first movie. Uh, Wilson's driving this big monster truck, and that's the thing that is on top of Woody Harrelson's car, 
and he just he looks a lot like what he he's, he's got the hat he's got the the ammo belt the, the ammo belts around him the vest and everything and the face off between the two is really like you know i don't like you that it's all really it's great visual humor and you know obviously you have emma stone's character saying am i hallucinating it's great it's it's a great little tag at the end of the trailer it's really really fun um it's it looks awesome i can't wait for it i, I just i just hope it doesn't disappoint um because you know well, you wait too long for a sequel sometimes it disappoints but uh it looks like everyone's back on their game they're they're going full you know obviously they probably have a little more money than they did in the last one uh there's some great visual gags with some of the zombies that you see you don't see how they evolve uh in the trailer obviously they probably won't give that away in the first trailer i really happy they didn't do that and maybe if they don't show it at all or don't show it completely i think that would be kind of cool so we'll have to see how uh how that works out but um you know everyone's gonna go for the characters because that, that's the reason why we pretty much love the first zombie land was the characters uh, at least that's one of the reasons why i love the first zombie lands because the characters so yeah I, I i'm fully looking forward to this it's Probably one of my favorite trailers of the week, so I'm really looking forward to Zombieland 2 Double Tap, which opens later this year on October 18th. Obviously, we'll talk more about that when we get closer to the release date. Uh, so that's all the trailers. Obviously, if anything drops, uh, I will um, after I'm done editing or whatever, there will be uh, all the tra- links to the trailers will be down below in the description slash show notes area. Let's move on to this week's movie news items of the week. So the first movie news item we're going to talk about is Quentin Tarantino is still kicking around another Kill Bill movie, but he also gives a little update on the Kill Bill, uh, how he considers Kill Bill and his directorial efforts. So a third Kill Bill movie, let's talk about that first. The third Kill Bill movie has always been teased. It was teased back all the way in the first Kill Bill in 2003. Yes, the first Kill Bill movie came out in 2003. However, writer-director Quentin Tarantino moved on to other projects, obviously, and recently sat down uh, to talk about how he's still kicking around A Kill Bill Volume 3, and not only that, well, let me just read the quote. Speaking on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Tarantino said this, Me and Uma have talked about it recently, frankly, to tell you the truth. I have thought about it a little further. We were talking about it literally last week. If any of my movies were going to spring from other, from my other movies, it would be a third kill bill. End quote. So, Uma, obviously, is Uma Thurman, who played the bride in the Kill Bill movies. Now, Tarantino will later comment on the Cinema Blend podcast, saying he counts Kill Bill as one movie. Now, if you need a little history lesson, obviously last week we talked about uh, the Tarantino dictatorial count. You know, Tarantino has said that he was going to be done directing after 10 movies, and uh, Kill Bill was split into two movies, which means two different movies with two different credits, but, well, well, let's just talk about this, and then we'll talk about that. First, if you need some history, by the way, of Kill Bill, and why it's called Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2. Tarantino actually wrote Kill Bill as one long three to four hour movie. And when the movie went into post-production, the discussion started that maybe they sh- it would make sense to cut the movie into two. Because he shot the two back to back. Then, three months before the intended release date of 
the three to four hour cut of Kill Bill, it was announced that we would be cut into two movies, Kill Bill Volume 1, which would be released in October of 2003, and then Kill Bill Volume 2, which was released in April of 2004. Of course, there is a combined cut of Kill Bill called Kill Bill The Whole Bloody Affair that edits the two movies together, but you can do whatever you want, with, uh, whatever you want about that. Uh, so last week we talked about how, again, Tarantino has already directed technically 10 movies because Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2 were released at different points. But Tarantino just said that he actually counts Kill Bill as one movie, so that's why uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I should say, counts as nine, uh, as his ninth movie. But then you have, you know, maybe he's, is he counting uh, just his movies entirely? Is he counting original movies? Because original movies, it would be eight, considering that he did Jackie Brown, which is not an original movie, it's actually based off a uh, Leonard, uh, based off a book called Rum Punch. Uh, but um, you know, we don't know how we don't know how he counts his movies. But regardless of uh, of what he decides to count as one entire movie and whatnot, it doesn't matter because it's Quentin Tarantino and he's going to do what he wants. Uh, so there you go. He's still kicking around Kill Bill Volume Three for all you fans who want it and. He counts it as one movie. So in case you were part of that discussion and the debates for so long, because apparently that's been that's a thing, he counts it as one movie. So there you go. Alright, let's move on to the next movie news item. For the first time since winning the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are teaming up to co-write an adaptation of Eric Yeager's novel of the same name called The Last Duel. Damon and Affleck will co-write the script with Nicole Holofcener, I think I pronounced her last name, she wrote uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, with Ridley Scott poised to direct the movie, and the two, Damon and Affleck, are also set to star in the movie. And by the way, before I read the synopsis, I just want you to know that it is a period piece movie. So, because I, I, whatever I was reading, uh, I guess the, the report that I was reading did not point out that the movie was a period set movie until the end of the article. So when I read this, I was like, is this movie set in the past? Because there's no reason... It just sounds a little ridiculous. But uh, the revenge movie... Uh, the revenge story, I should say, follows two best friends. And when one goes to war, the other rapes his wife. The soldier then learns upon his return, but no one is willing to believe the wife, so he's left with one recourse. He appeals to the king of France and challenges his former friend to a duel to the death. The book itself is also based on a true story which also surprised me, about a about the last legally sanctioned duel in France. Hence the title, The Last Duel. The book has been in development uh, at Fox for quite some time before the merger with Disney, so it's unknown if Disney will uh, release the movie or if they'll let Scott and co. Uh, ship the movie to other studios. Uh, this has already been done in the past already. There was a Clint, East, uh, Clint East Eastwood movie. I don't know why his last name was so hard to say right there. Um, that was developed at Fox, and when the merger happened, they let him ship it off to another studio. They let it happen to another movie. I think it was a, a I think it was a Tom Hanks or a George Clooney movie. George Clooney movie. Uh, so who knows what they'll do with this? They'll probably ship it off to somewhere else, to be honest. But um, the fact that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are teaming up to write. Uh, another movie together and also star in that movie and a period piece movie of of all things is very very cool and then you have really scott on top of that directing i think that's 
Yeah, why not, right? Why, why, why not? Uh, let's move on to the next movie news item. Uh, this one's kind of cool, and it also has some uh, some added reading material for all you guys. Uh, the 73... I can't believe it's actually 73 years old. The 73-year-old Sylvester Stallone shows that he has, is showing no signs of giving up on his hit franchise, Rocky. Now, speaking with Variety, which I'll link the whole article down below in the show notes area if you want to read it, and I highly recommend you do. Stallone talked about a number of things, but I'm sticking to the Rocky story because it's kind of one of the more interesting aspects. Because apparently Stallone has another Rocky story to tell. And he's got one more in him. So when asked what the premise of that story would be, Stallone said this, saying, quote, Rocky meets a young, angry person who got stuck in this country when he comes to see his sister. He takes him into his life and unbelievable adventures begin, and they wind up south of the border. It's very, very timely. So the story would touch on the immigration issue here in the U.S., which is obviously a very big thing. I'm not going to get into it because this is a movie podcast, and I try to make you guys happy with movie news instead of, you know, focusing on the real world. So there is that. And now, and obviously there would you know, be some boxing involved in there, clearly. Uh, and now Stallone said he was pretty much done with Rocky Balboa. If you remember, after Creed 2 came out, or before Creed 2 even came out, I should say, he said he was done playing Rocky after Creed 2. Uh, and then he backtracked on, on that a little bit after Creed 2 came out and was a success. And now he looks like he, like he wants to go back at it. That said, another Rocky movie isn't officially in the works just yet. So before before you get your you know calendar high horse and go like yeah it's gonna happen no uh, it's not gonna happen yet but apparently MGM and producer Irvin Winkler are in negotiations with Stallone to write and star the potential movie. Now the reason that has to happen is because and you'll read this in the Variety article it's kind of the headline of the article Stallone doesn't have any ownership. Any real ownership over the Rocky franchise. Even though he is the, the face of the Rocky franchise. And has written and has written almost almost all of them. Or co-written or at least has a story credit in it. And has obviously starred in all of them. Has produced uh, the last few, few of them. Uh, he even directed a couple of them. He has no ownership over it. And it sounds like he's a little bitter, which I, I would be too if I owned a franchise uh, where I've played the character in eight movies over four decades, uh, which is crazy to me that, that that is the case. But uh, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little crazy that he doesn't have any, like, any ownership over the franchise at all. And like I mentioned, I highly recommend you read the article. It's, it's going to be linked down below in the description slash show notes area. If you want to read it. And of course, on top of that, he's playing Rambo one last time. Rambo Last Blood comes out later this year too. So, Or just later this year. Not too. That assumes that Rocky's coming out this year. It's not. Uh, but um, yeah, it should be interesting to kind of see how, how all that plays out. I'll, I'll, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm still a huge fan of Stallone. So if he wants to come out and do another Rocky movie, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, let him do it. Why not? Just let, go ahead. Let him do it. All right, so let's move on to uh, the next movie news item of the week, which is, uh, could there be more Mad Max movies coming our way? Maybe? Maybe so? Maybe? Hopefully? Uh, So George Miller, uh, the director of the Mad Max movies, pretty much all of them, gave us 
and I say this knowing that George Miller is not American, he's Australian, one of the best action movies, American action movies in quite some time, uh, with Mad Max Fury Road. And fans went crazy for it, it had a pretty decent run at the box office, and fans have wanted a sequel ever since. Miller himself has said he wanted sequels, and had sequels in mind for the movie, ready to go, when, you know, the movie, when everyone was ready, and the studio was ready, the movie ended up getting, uh, ended up getting up, and ended up getting six Oscars, why is that so hard to say, uh, most of them were all technical, but still, uh, very worth it, and the sequels never came to be, and many wondered why, and it was recently revealed that Miller and his production company, uh, and the studio being Warner Brothers, uh, had a lawsuit between them, so in case you didn't know this, Miller sued Warner Brothers over seven over a seven million dollar bonus that Miller and his production company were supposed to get since Fury Road's cost came under a certain amount, uh, came under the certain uh, budget that Warner Brothers gave them. Uh, and I believe this bonus came. Uh, it was obviously the bonus was never paid, but I think this bonus came uh, after after the reshoots because. Miller had shot the movie, and Warner Brothers liked it, and they were like, here's some more money so you can shoot more stuff and go shoot whatever you need to reshoot uh, for, you know, whatever. And Miller was like, okay, we'll take it, and we'll go do it, and they still came under the cost of what uh, Warner Brothers uh, had given them. Obviously, there's a more detailed uh, thing on that. Uh, You can go over to IndieWire. That's where the report came from. So all that said, Miller sounds pretty optimistic, by the way, in this in this recent in this recent interview that he will be able to do his Mad Max movies. And Warner Brothers also sounds pretty optimistic as well that they want to do the Mad Max sequels because obviously they see the dollar signs. Uh, however, before another Mad Max movie happens, Miller does have another project he's working on right now, which is called 3,000 Years of Longing with Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, which, and that's described as a fantasy romance, however you want to see, see that. Uh, as for the stories, Miller said that, quote, there are two stories, both involving Mad Max and also a Furiosa story, end quote. Uh, so that pretty much... Uh, that pretty much sums up what he said in the past. He said that he had sequels for Mad Max. Tom, who of course was played by Tom Hardy in his movies, and Furiosa was played by Charlize Theron. And Charlize Theron has pretty much always said that she is down to play Furiosa at the drop of a dime. And there was, you know, talks about having a Furiosa spinoff and having her own solo adventure. And everyone was on board. Everyone was like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Do it right now. Give it to me now." But obviously nothing ever came because of the lawsuit between Miller and Warner Brothers. Uh, before he moved on, you know, there was a, a working title for the Mad Max sequel called Mad Max The Wasteland. So we'll see if that sticks. And if it doesn't, then, you know, we'll, we'll you know, okay, that's fine. Just give us more Mad Max movies and give us a Furiosa movie because we want to see those. I know I want to see those. I'm pretty sure... You know, the handful of you that actually listen to my podcast all the way through want to see those. So, let's do it. Just just, just pay pay the man. Pay the man and then give him another budget to make these awesome, crazy Mad Max. Pract- oh, practically, almost all practical effects movies. Just don't, you know, just, just be careful. Don't hurt yourselves. Alright, uh, let's move on 
to the big section of the podcast, Comic-Con. Uh, fairly quickly, the Terminator Dark Fate panel happened. Uh, we're gonna, by the way, we're going to focus mostly on movies. Obviously, this is a movie pit podcast. Uh, so, uh, for those who don't know, of course, first, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, directed by Tim Miller, who, of course, directed Deadpool. James Cameron is returning to produce the movie. He's supposedly a more hands-on approach. He kind of said the same thing about Terminator Genesis, but whatever. It will ignore all the other Terminator movies after Terminator 2. So, basically... This is the proper sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, Linda Hamilton, of course, will be returning to the franchise as Sarah Connor. Uh, the panel started... We briefly, again, we briefly talked about this last week on the podcast. Uh, the panel started with a video by Cameron confirming that Edward Furlong is coming back to play John Connor. The movie will be rated R. And he explained why he wanted to return to the franchise, um, citing a new take on Arnold Schwarzenegger's iconic T-800 character... That quote, uh, something nobody's ever seen before. We don't know what that means, but we'll, we'll have to obviously wait and see. There was a behind-the-seats featurette that came out. I'll link that down below if you want to go check that out. Uh, it's basically kind of what they kind of showed at uh, at the panel. Uh, with the exception of, uh, they showed some scenes. They showed uh, basically an extended I don't know if it's the whole scene, but it's an extended scene from the trailer. It's the highway chase. Uh, apparently, they show a lot more um, of of the Terminators themselves. We get a little bit more of Mackenzie Davis's character, who in the trailer says he's human, and apparently, some of the clips they show, or one of the clips they showed at Comic Con, she says she's human just advanced and we kind of see that a little bit in the in the teaser that we've gotten so far um obviously they didn't go into details about that so we'll have to wait and see what what that all means but uh i think it's gonna be kind of cool to see uh apparently uh arnold schwarzenegger's terminator character has been living a quiet life with a dog uh in in the cabin in the woods that we again saw briefly in that trailer uh, and uh, her, him and Sarah don't have the buddy-buddy relationship. She still really wants to kill every Terminator she sees. Uh, and apparently the Terminator is now called Carl. Or at least that's what he calls himself. And Sarah says, I'm not going to ever fucking call you Carl. So, there you go. Uh, so there's just, it's a lot of, st- apparently it sounds like they showed a, just extended scenes of what we saw in the teaser. Uh, again, with some with some few exceptions here and there, but it sounds like uh, you know everyone there kind of really liked what they saw. So hopefully, this is a return to form to the Terminator franchise. Obviously, a lot of people have been upset with the Terminator franchise. Uh, you know, Terminator Two was to a lot of people the last good Terminator movie. Terminator Three had some decent moments. But uh, overall, was a little disappointing. Uh, I'm in the very, very, very small camp of people that genuinely enjoyed Terminator Salvation. Admittedly, though, I've not seen it in quite a while, so I'll probably have to go back and revisit that. Uh, and Genesis, well, well, the less said about Genesis, the better. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate will open on November 1st. We'll definitely be talking more about that once uh, we get closer to the release date. There was a couple panels uh, consider uh, more cons- connected to Avengers Endgame. There was a panel with the writers of, of Endgame. Um, and they uh, apparently let out of the bag a few scenes uh, that were cut from the script or released in the 
uh, early stages of the script before they cut him down. Uh, most of them involved uh, all with Thanos on how he came to the present timeline. Apparently, there was one where he apparently carries the head of Steve Rogers to mock and intimidate the present day t- Steve Rogers, saying, uh, I-, "I don't think he says anything, but it's ba- it's basically him saying, see, this is going to happen to you. I've already done it.'" Uh, so apparently that was one of the things they had in the script, and they obviously cut that out, uh, probably for good reason. Uh, you know, there's a lot of kids probably watching these movies, but uh, but that was pretty cool. I didn't write down too much about that panel. I think that just that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. Uh, then there was the Russo brothers panel, which is, of course the directors of it. A couple things came out from that panel that were brand new. One, they acquired the rights to adapt. Battle of the Planets, which is an Americanized version of a Japanese anime called Science Ninja Team Gatcherman. Uh, right now, the duo are just producing the adaptation with the possibility of them directing it too. Uh, the series has over 100 episodes and followed a team of heroes who are all orphans trained from a young age to form an elite intergalactic team known as G-Force, swearing to protect Earth and its allies from other worldly invading forces they also acquired the rights to the comic grimjack uh, so for those unfamiliar like i am here's the synopsis the general synopsis of grimjack grimjack is a story of a mercenary and his crew who are forced to dig into their own past when grimjack's estranged teenage daughter comes uh, comes to him look looking for help i don't know why that was so hard to read uh this will take them through insane streets of cyrilshire i think uh, mysterious city where all the parallel universes intersect so obviously there's a bit of a sci-fi element there uh there is an unlikely team or there this unlikely team fights to save not just themselves but all the planes of existence as we know it as opposed to battle the planets uh, the Rooster Brothers will only actually be producing Grimjack themselves. And Grimjack was in production, or at least potential production, 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, one of the writer, uh, a writer that's still writing, still writing to this day, uh, J. Michael, I'm going to butcher his last name because I don't know how to say it. Uh, <laughs> Dronotsky? I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I don't know. Mostly done a lot of cartoons, and he did a lot of the big ones in the 80s. Uh, He-Man, She-Ra, the real Ghostbusters uh, cartoon. Uh, Live-action-wise, he's done a lot of episodes. He did a lot of work on the Twilight Zone in the early 80s. And then one of the big things he's mostly known for, and one of the reasons why I hate that I mispronounce his last name, uh, he created and wrote a lot of Babylon 5 and was one of their creators of Netflix's Sense8. Uh, so he, obviously he's a very big name movie wise he's written Changeling which was the Angelina Jolie movie he wrote Ninja Assassin which wasn't very good but I don't really necessarily blame him uh, he also wrote uh, Underworld Awakening which also was not very good so uh, but he took a crack at it 20 years ago and obviously nothing came of it so there is that they also revealed that they're that they're working again with Tom Holland aka Spider-Man on a movie called Cherry, which starts filming in October, and that tackles the opioid crisis. Uh, they didn't really go too much into detail about that, but that's kind of what they revealed so far. Uh, they also revealed a new trailer for their produced action thriller 21 Bridges, which I linked to the podcast last week. I'll link it again if you guys want to check that out. Um, that, of course, stars uh, Chadwick Boseman as a NYPD detective who leads a citywide uh, manhunt for a pair of cop killers. 
Obviously, there's a lot more to all that as in may seem. Uh, that movie co-stars Sienna Miller, Taylor Kitsch, Stephen James, Keith David, and J.K. Simmons. 21 Bridges opens on September 27th. Uh, and that one's directed by Brian Kirk, who directed episodes for TV shows like Game of Thrones, Penny Dreadful, and BBC series Luther. Uh, so uh, if you want to check out that trailer, that will be linked down below. Uh, so let's move on to the big one. The one that everyone talked about, the one that everyone went crazy about, the one that I'm going to go crazy about, and that's the Marvel panel. Uh, first and foremost, Eternals. Let's talk about that. An overview of the comic and the characters in the simplest form I can put it. The Eternals are genetically created experiments from the Celestials when they visited Earth 5 million years ago from the early humans. Uh, that creation happened to also create the unstable and monstrous deviants and they've been at war ever since that is the bare bones of what it is now kevin feige of course marvel had told comicbook.com saying quote it will be a story that will introduce you to this incredibly eclectic group of immortals i'm pretty sure i used that word wrong uh they're focused of they're the focus of the story it takes place in our universe the MCU, so you'll hear mentions and stuff about it. Yes, the Celestials are back a long way, go back a long way. We learn much more about their agenda and what they've been up to. Now, if you're wondering, I just said a lot of words at you, Celestials. The Celestials, we saw the Celestials, or at least we saw one of the Celestials, in Guardians of the Galaxy during the Collector's explanation of what the Power Stone is. And if you remember, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kurt Russell's ego, a.k.a. Chris Pratt's uh, father, Star-Lord's father, Quill's father, happens to be a Celestial himself. So, they may not all be heroes, which should be interesting to see how they act toward a human race and toward each other and toward everything else. Uh, so it could be very, you know, it could be really interesting to see maybe some reluctant heroes, maybe people who are not actually really heroes at all, and they're just, they think they should be doing the right thing. So it should be interesting to kind of see how the dynamic of all that works out. Uh, it will be directed by Chloe Zhao, who directed a, mo a movie called The Writer. Also bought out the cast, which is really great. Uh, Angelia Jolie, uh, she's playing a character named Thena. Uh, she's going to be one of the main characters. You have Richard Madden, a.k.a. Rob Stark, playing a character named uh, Icarus. Kumail Nanjiani is playing a character named Kingo. Lauren Ridolf, uh, she plays Connie on The Walking Dead. We'll be playing a character named Makari. Brian T. Henry, who has been popping up in a lot of things. Um, you should know his face and name by now. Uh, he's playing a character named uh, Faustos. I think that pronounced his last name. Or pronounced that name, not his last name. That's the name. Uh, Leah McHugh, she's uh, been in the TV series American Women. And she will be also be uh, up being the upcoming horror movie The Lodge. She's been playing uh, she will be playing Sprite. Uh, and that by the way, The Lodge looks very, very creepy. If you have not seen the trailer, I highly recommend that. Uh, and Don Lee will be playing Gilgamesh. Oh, and Salma Hayek. Uh, I almost forgot about her. She's playing a character named Ajax, which is a gender bend, because in the comics Ajax is actually a uh, a man. This is pretty cool. It's based this the the Eternals are basically the be-all end-all prequel of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it'll be really cool to kind of see how uh, how this all plays out uh, and the very end of it. Um, the Eternals opens on November 6th, 2020. They are currently filming, or they're about to currently film. Uh, so we'll probably be seeing a little bit more about that, maybe. We'll see. Maybe. 
a little maybe. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Shang-Chi will be the first lead Asian superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played by a relatively newcomer, Simu Liu, I think I pronounce his name. Uh, um, If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. Uh, In the comics, he has a very interesting history. Uh, I don't know too much about Shang-Chi. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm an expert. He is a martial arts expert, uh, a master. He is also the son of a Marvel villain, called uh fu manchu his character the character has been around for a while it's been around since the 70s that's like that's racist oh, it was the 70s there, there was slight racism back then uh just 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 a little bit um i'm kidding by the way if you can't tell this all the sarcasm in my voice um and he becomes uh shang chi the character becomes a member of both heroes for hire and the avengers themselves in the comics uh, we don't know too much about the movie itself plot wise with the name the ten rings yes if you are familiar with the comics or even know a lot about the marvel cinematic universe the ten rings is the the group that kidnapped tony stark in uh iron man one he dealt with them again in iron man three uh but the ten rings in the comics for all you uh fans out there is led by the mandarin who was sort of played by ben kingsley but the real mandarin this is really cool they announced that the real mandarin the character that we all know from the comics will appear as the villain in shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and he will be played by tony long which is really really cool uh tony long just in case you know i the thing that i remember him the most he's been in a bunch of stuff but the thing that i remember him the most is uh hard-boiled he played um he played one of one of the the main characters in that uh, obviously the other main character that's not chai young fat uh he was also in hero he was in turn uh, infernal affairs one and three if you haven't seen the infernal affairs trilogy i highly recommend you go watch that because that is very very good uh, he was also in the Grandmaster, which I believe is on uh, Netflix. He plays uh, It Man. The Grandmaster is just another It Man story. I think he actually plays It Man in that movie. Uh, recently, he was also in a movie called European Raiders. He was one of the leads in that movie. Um, so I'm really excited for him to, you know, be in the movie. Uh, I think it's gonna be really cool. Uh, so the Mandarin is real, by the way. The Mandarin, the character, is actually real. It's not someone they just bought up. Um, thanks to the Marvel short-lived uh, short film series that they did, they confirmed that the character of the Mandarin was real because they went after Ben Kingsley in prison. So it's going to be really, really cool to, to see the Mandarin finally on the big screen. Uh, it was also announced that Aquafina will be a, a be, a be, uh, be appearing in the movie. Words are hard, uh, although the character is uh, is unknown at the moment. The movie will be directed by Destin Daniel Creighton, who is directed. Uh, or Creton, I, I don't know how you pronounce the last name. Um, he directed Short Term 12. He also directed The Glass Castle. Coincidentally, both directed uh, are both uh, starring Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel. He also is directing the upcoming TV series Tokyo Vice with Ansel Elgort. Uh, so he's gonna, he's going to be a very busy man soon. Uh, and uh, Chang Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings will be opening on February 12th, 2021. So let's talk about the big one. One of the big ones, Black Widow. So obviously it's been long in development, long overdue. And from the sounds of it, it looks like this movie is going to be really, really awesome. Uh, so we kind of still almost don't know when 
the movie will take place. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's probably taking place after Civil War or Winter Soldier. Uh, it, nonetheless, it's obviously taking place before uh, Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, we do that. So there's that. We do know that the confirmed cast. Obviously, uh, Scarlett Johansson is coming back to play Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow. Uh, Florence Pugh is also in the cast. David Harbour. O.T. Fambini, I think they pronounced his last name. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, but he's Luke in The Handmaid's Tale, in case you need a face in the name. And Rachel Weiss is also in the movie. Pugue will play Liana Belova, who in the comics takes over the mantle of Black Widow uh, from Natasha, because there's been more than one person with the Black Widow mantle. And it looks like they'll have a sister, uh, sisterly relationship in the movie. Harbor will play the villain, or at least one of them, because Harbor is being has been confirmed to playing Red Guardian. Now, Red Guardian is the Soviet's answer to Captain America. Uh, Fabini and Weiss's character are still being kept under wraps, uh, at least their true nature anyway. Entertainment Weekly said that the characters' names are Mason and Molina, uh, but we don't know too much about them so far uh thirdly uh they showed off a reel and most of it was pretty much a fight between natasha and liena which was described kind of like almost kind of like a born-esque john wick uh kind of scene they were fighting with their guns and eventually their fists and then basically anything that wasn't nailed to the floor it looked like it, it kind of read like they were fighting in an office space or something so that's pretty cool and then they you know did the trailer stuff with like quick cuts and it does show that Natasha will be fighting the Red Guardian or Taskmaster. Taskmaster? We don't know which who she's fighting. It sounds like she's fighting Red Guardian. And they're very well matched. But there was some concept art released that labeled Black Widow and Taskmaster. Uh, and Taskmaster, by the way, in the comics, Mike goes into us a, a little bit in his little... Uh, not his, I mean, not, make, not, not to make it sound demeaning, Mike, I apologize for that. Uh, but he goes into it in, in his little section when he talks about this, um, about Taskmaster. So I'll let him explain it a little bit more. Um, and so it sounds like maybe he's going to be in the movie. We don't, or, or she, maybe Rachel Weiss is playing Taskmaster. We don't know. That's something Mike, uh, kind of suggested in his little, uh, and, and, that's something that Mike kind of suggested in his spiel about about Black Widow. So I'll let him go into that. But this is a, it should be interesting. It should be really good. Uh, the only thing that I think really pisses all pisses all of us off is that we got Black Widow way too late after she's already dead. So what if this movie's really awesome and we want another movie? You can't do anything else unless you know Doctor Strange fucks with the multiverse uh, because Segway. Oh, before I get to the Segway, Black Widow comes out on May. First, 2020. Um, but segue, uh, but uh, the multiverse. It is officially officially confirmed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the sequel for Doctor Strange will be titled Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, directed once again by Scott Derrickson. And we'll see the return of Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. But the sequel will be just a little bit more interesting because it is being labeled as, quote, First, or as the first, quote, scary MCU film. Uh, and obviously with Derrickson's background in the genre, 
I believe it. Derrickson has directed The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, Deliver Us from Evil. Uh, his directorial debut was actually Hellraiser, uh, Hellraiser Inferno, which was um, you know straight DVD, but whatever. Uh, he also directed the, the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, which was a horror movie in itself. And I don't necessarily blame him for that, because that was kind of his second movie, so... Still working out the kinks on that, so that's that's fine. Um, but um, two, part two of this little uh, news item is that the sequel will be connected to the Disney Plus series WandaVision, which of course will have Wanda, aka the Scarlet Witch, uh, played by Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Paul Bettany's Vision, hence the name of the show, WandaVision. And according to them, the events in the in WandaVision will lead into and impact what happens in Doctor Strange 2. Which means that, yes, Elizabeth Olsen's uh, Wanda slash Scarlet Witch will be appearing in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, that's all we know about it. We don't know what's going to go on. I know there's some theories and, and stuff going out there on the internets right now. I'm not going to get into those because... That's just a wormhole you don't want to go down, especially when you consider the multiverse and everything. So, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see how uh, how they do stuff, how they maybe manip- manipulate some stuff. Obviously, we have th- the other Disney Plus shows. I don't, I wasn't going to mention them, but you know, you got WandaVision, you have Loki, you have Hawkeye, you have uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, however, whichever one goes first. But uh, you have all those. And the way that uh, Kevin Feige laid everything out and made it sound like the Disney Plus shows will have an impact on the universe, especially with WandaVision. Uh, so it should be... Because they've never mentioned, you know, any of the other shows. They never mentioned, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or uh, or the Netflix series anyway. Like, when they were doing their release schedules. They never really mentioned them because they were just all movies. So this is interesting that they would introduce... The web series, the 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 streaming series is streaming series 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 I, um, but it's interesting that they would include them in their phases because you know they, they didn't do that before, so it's kind of cool to see that. But it also leads me to think that it, the Disney Plus series, the Disney Plus series, will play probably more a factor going forward. Uh, than they ever did before, so that's kind of that's kind of really cool. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opens on May seventh to twenty twenty one. Let's move on to the other one that really shook everyone. Thor. Thor four is now called Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, and we already knew that Taika Waititi was going to return to direct the next Thor movie, but now we know it's called, like I mentioned, Thor: Love and Thunder, and. We'll see the return officially of Chris Hemsworth's Thor and Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, but to the surprise of everyone, because we all thought hell would freeze over before she came back, Natalie Portman is returning to the MCU, and she will be taking over the mantle of Thor, and she will not be called Lady Thor, she will be called Mighty Thor. So it should. That's gonna be really cool to see. Uh, and she came out, and everyone went crazy. And like I mentioned, I thought it would be a cold day in hell before she came back. She was, she she wanted out, and she got out, and now she's back. And apparently, uh, Taika Waititi was really the the blunt force to get her to come back, and he convinced her. So it should be pretty cool to see how he convinced her to come back. Besides giving her the mantle of Thor, which of course in the comics Jane Foster 
does take up the mantle of Thor for quite a bit, and a good run, and a, and a very well-loved run by, by the fans. Uh, we don't know when exactly Thor, God, and uh, Love, or Thor, Love, and Thunder, I almost said God of Thunder, uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder falls into the timeline. Apparently someone asked James Gunn online when it falls, and he responded that Thor uh, 4 is before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We don't know if he meant release-wise or timeline-wise. Either way, release-wise, yes, it is coming out before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, so maybe that doesn't really have any merit to it. But Thor Love and Thunder will open on May, or not May, sorry, November 5th, 2021. So before the panel, so the panel was pretty much done. And then at the end of the panel, Kevin Feige is like, oh, I got one more surprise for you. And he like, you know, point, you know, raises his hand to, to, to one side of the stage. And Mahershala Ali all of a sudden comes onto the stage. And everyone cheers. You know, obviously Mahershala Ali, Oscar winner, uh, well-respected well actor, cool guy all the way around. And, uh... He kind of was like, you, you got something to share with us? And Mahershala Ali, much like Brie Larson, a couple years, a few years ago at Comic-Con, uh, she, you know, she had a hat, she pulled it out, put the hat on, and it was a Blade hat. Because, yes, Marvel is introducing Blade once again into the Marvel, or for the first time, I should say, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There are Blade movies, that's what I, that's what I meant. But now we have Blade in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It won't be right away. It looks like they're still developing it. Uh, there's no release date for it. It seemed like the way that Kevin Feige kind of has been... There was a lot of stuff coming out. So if I miss something, you know, obviously, uh, let me know or, you know, I'll find out or already I found out. But the way that Kevin Feige kind of put it was that everything that we showed you guys is of Phase 4 and Phase 5. So, not everything is set in stone. Obviously, you know, not everything was set in stone because a few years ago, you know, everything was announced and then they announced Black Panther and they, you know, put it into the release schedule and then humans kind of fell off to the wayside. I know, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to bring it up, but I kind of have to for the sake of conversation. But uh, it should be interesting to kind of see how that works out. But Mahershala Ali, obviously, he was already part of the MCU. In uh, with the Netflix series, uh, Luke Cage, he played Cottonmouth in that, so maybe they're doing away with that. Maybe they're not counting the net. And obviously, again, look up why the Netflix series and the MCU have always had trouble, and it's mainly because Kevin Feige couldn't stand, uh, or Kevin Feige and the guy who ran the TV side and the streaming service side of things, they couldn't stand each other, they did not like each other. Uh, so it, that's kind of one of the reasons why, but Mershala Ali also was the man that bought the idea to Kevin Feige. He's like, Hey, I got to talk to you. He's like, I want to do Blade. And Kevin Feige was like, okay, we like money. Here you go. Here's a big, old, he's a big old contract. Go ahead and sign it. Uh, we'll announce it at Comic-Con. So that's really cool. I, I'm really excited to see how this, uh, how this turns out. And of course, everyone's like, well, what about Wesley Snipes? And Wesley Snipes like, hold up, sell down, chillax. Everything's okay everything's fine. I'm okay with it. You should be okay with it too. Relax. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, other things, the panel ended, Kevin Feige, you know, Kevin Feige was saying his goodbyes and he was saying, oh, we ran out of time. We couldn't talk about other projects. We couldn't talk about Black Panther 2. We couldn't talk about Captain Marvel 2. We couldn't talk about 
Guardians of the Galaxies Volume 3. And of course, the loudest cheers that came out. We couldn't talk about Fantastic Four. And we couldn't put, uh, and we couldn't talk about mutants. And everyone, of course, went crazy when they talked about about that because that's what everyone's been wanting. Everyone has been wanting Fantastic Four and the X Men into the MCU now that Marvel Disney owns 20th Century Fox and they have the rights to it. Uh, so I'm really happy that you know Kevin Feige and them didn't be like, didn't just say like, oh, we're gonna cram Fantastic Four into into here. Like, no. And Kevin Feige said, everyone's like saying that this was a dig at 20th Century Fox, and I would, I'm always the ones like, nah, he probably didn't mean it that way. But considering what they've done with the Fantastic Four, I'm gonna consider that as a dig. He said, you know, we're gonna elevate something to the extent of we're gonna elevate them and give them the respect that they deserve. Something along those lines. I forgot the exact quote, uh, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, and I was like, nah, that's not a dig. And I was like. No, yeah, that's probably a dick. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm all for Kevin Feige throwing shade at uh, at what they've done to Marvel's first family. But um, I'm all for this. I, I, loved, I loved what they did. I love what Marvel's doing. Marvel has done no wrong. Sure, they had some movies that maybe underwhelmed or, you know, weren't... Up to the T, you know, as some of their their great, their really great stuff and good stuff. But for the most part, I don't think Marvel's had a stinker. I, I, you know, early on maybe, yeah, you know, I'm looking at you, Iron Man two, uh, but Thor, Thor, the Dark World. But even with those movies, they weren't terrible. They weren't like overly bad. They were just you know badly you know constructed. I'll put it that way. But I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this. I'm a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not, you know, going to be like, they can do no wrong. No, obviously there is a lot, you know, and humans, obviously, being one of them. But um, they can do wrong. Let's just put it that way. But uh, I can't wait to see what they do with this. Obviously, we got D23 coming up soon. Maybe they'll announce something more from there. They'll probably... At this point, I think if they do announce anything at D23, I don't think it will be movie-wise. I'll be very surprised, and I will accept the movie news from D23, but I think they'll probably focus a little bit more on Disney+. Plus. So I think they'll probably focus a lot more on the TV shows like WandaVision and Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And and, uh, what was the other one? Um, There was another one, and I totally forgot about it. Oh, What If! That, that one, uh, which is I'm totally excited for. I don't know why I forgot. Uh, what If, which is going to be an animated series, and they're bringing back a lot of the actors uh, from the MCU to voice characters. And What If, by the way, and it's not like like Marvel is like, oh, what if we just change this? No, like, this is actually a comic series in, in Marvel called What If, and they just run all these scenarios about, uh, you know, what would happen if... Uh, I think this is one of the episodes they're doing, at least I hope so, because they bought back Hallie Atwell to play Peggy Carter, or to voice Peggy Carter. What if uh, Steve Rogers never got the super soldier serum? What if he never became Captain America? And instead, it was Peggy Carter who became Captain America. Uh, and Steve Rogers just be- was his normal guy. Uh, what if... Um, what's another one? Uh, what if the Punisher killed all of the Marvel characters. That's that's one of the biggest one-ifs out there. There's a lot of scenarios out there. So I, I'm very inter- interested in seeing 
what they do with it. Jeffrey Wright has been cast as the Watcher. We got little glimpses of the Watchers in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That was basically Stanley's cameo as well. Those are the, the big tall guys, the big bald guys with the white eyes. Um, they play a, a big part in the comic series, or in the comics in general. Well, not necessarily a big part, but they're well known in the comics. But uh, it's interesting to kind of see... Uh, seeing that they're doing a what if series because that's really really cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, well um, that's it. That's that's all I wanted to really talk about, Comic Con wise. We didn't talk about we you know last week we talked about it's and Top Gun and Cats. Uh, so uh, I know Mike talks about those in his little uh, tidbit here. So I'm gonna let Mike talk about his uh, Comic Con thoughts right here. Hey guys, it's Mike, the casual expert, and. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what happened at Comic-Con. There's a lot of big stuff that happened, but seeing as though that this is the Movie Pit podcast, I think that I will talk about some of the movie announcements that were made and some trailers that were dropped. Um, first things first, to get it started, uh, I'll talk about Top Gun Maverick. This movie seems like it's been in development for a very long time, but it looks like Tommy, old Tommy Cruise is back in the habit, coming... The the trailer looked fantastic visually, and uh, I even saw like an edit where they put some Star Wars trailer music over it, and, and it actually kind of works. Um, but Miles Teller is in this playing uh, Goose's son. Um, early reports make it sound like it's going to be about humans and drones. So trying to make it super relevant. But Tom Cruise doesn't look like he's aged, so whatever demon he sold his soul to worked out well. Um, I'm excited to see it just for the cultural impact. I mean, if it's good, it's good. If it's terrible, it's terrible. But I mean, right now, Tom Cruise's track record of late has been pretty good with the ghost, uh, or with the mission impossible films. So, uh, I have, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic about this film, but for a first trailer, I thought it, I thought it was very good. Um, another trailer that was, no pun intended to head scratcher cats trailer uh they were completely earnest in how they presented this and uh i think it was a bit of a misstep it looks uh problematic in terms of their cgi so uh, if you read anything up on this thing it is very convoluted story-wise. Yes, it was the longest-running Broadway show, but it is weird, and it, and it looks really fucking weird. Uh, I, I don't know. Watch the trailer. It's weird. The CGI doesn't blend the faces really well. Um, it's just it's odd. They're shrunken down like they were in the musical, from my understanding, but like... They're sized more like what rats would be more than a cat. Like they're a lot smaller. It's just weird all around. And it's from Tom Hopper, who I liked his Les Mis uh, with Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. Um, there was issues with that. People weren't huge fans of Russell Crowe. But this is going to be weird. I feel like this could. They're like pushing for this to get some Oscar buzz. Um, but it, it it doesn't. It looks like it could be a big old bag full of garbage so yeah that 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 was a weird weird trailer it chapter two now that was a fantastic trailer i really enjoyed the first part of this uh film series an adaptation of stephen king's it 
Uh, I love the book, so uh, I was really hoping that they would adapt this very well, uh, seeing as though that there's been some not-so-hot ones in the past, uh, even though um, I'm blanking on his name, Curry, played a fantastic Pettywise. But uh, this trailer looks great. I think the casting for the aged-up character, young characters from the first one are really good. Um, it's You're going to be hard-pressed for me <clears throat> to find something with Bill Hader that I'm not going to at least get some sort of enjoyment out of. Um, the guy from the Old Spice commercials, I'm blanking on his na- name right now, not Terry Crews, gets a, is a main character in this, so it's nice to see a guy like that uh, break into a potential like career-launching vehicle. Uh, Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, I think this has potential to be really, really good. And if it is, uh, it, it'll close the book. I don't know that was a horrible. I didn't mean to make that sound like that, like a pun, but it it should end after this because it would end like the books do. But I could see a studio saying, "Well, is it over?" Because it makes all the monies for that the studio. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I ha- I'm not a really big horror fan, and uh, when when something like this comes out. Uh, and catches my interest uh, it, it's it really has to be something special so i think that this is going to be a very good film um <clears throat> in staying in the horror realm they announced that there's going to be two sequels consecutive year uh, consecutive years to danny mcbride's rebooted uh halloween sequel from the original um that starred jamie lee curtis back as laurie strode um it was fairly well received um and I have a very soft, very big soft spot for the old, um, I call them the AMC Fear Fest films, the ones that you can watch on repeat over and over all through October. Um, so I really think that uh, they could touch into some of that nostalgia some more. And they keep doing, there's a very creative twist uh, in that one. So I won't spoil it, but taking the as a genre like that and not completely flipping it on its head but giving it enough new um tilts and and uh additions to something classic like that and revitalizing it to some degree and and giving it some new life that isn't like a boring played out you know repetitive film that you found like as those sequels came out in like halloween 17 18 19 and friday the 13th where it was like you know the same movie over and over and over again which is with different canon fodder actors that they would put in so i hope that these are really good i love danny mcbride uh as a as an actor and i i am really coming to respect him as a writer so uh i have high hopes for this and it'll be interesting to see casting wise who else they throw into these films because i like seeing these kind of uh c-list actors getting getting in here you those are the kind of ones that you look at them and you're like i know them i don't know their name but i always like them and stuff when i see them i feel like these movies are really perfect for those kind of actors uh, yeah, so Halloween. It'll be cool, hopefully. Or they just need to, they'll just reboot it again. They'll get a different Rob Zombie. They'll get uh, Marilyn Manson to do it next, I guess. Oh, boy. What else? There's a lot of TV stuff, but it is a movie pit podcast. Uh, I want to save Marvel to the end, but I'm really, really can't because I'm so excited about what they're doing. Uh, <clears throat> Marvel announced their initial plans for the next phase of films following the Spider-Man Far From Far From Home closing the Infinity, like a little button on the Infinity Saga. 
Uh, this is like complete unknown territory territory for fans of the franchise because so for so long we have been building to this ultimate finale, and uh, to some to some degree, Far From Home was more of an epilogue than anything else. So first off, they announced that we're gonna have Black Widow coming up. It's gonna take place after Civil War, so this is gonna be uh, taking place before the events of Infinity War and all that. Uh, craziness where she is seemingly going to be exploring like her past life in after the red room we would probably see some early stuff like we saw uh flashes of an age of ultron but david harbour was cast in this florence Pugh, uh rachel weiss so um david harbour plays a character named red guardian who in the comic books uh is like an estranged ex-husband of hers if i remember correctly um so he's a big name right now and it would be interesting to see how they adapt that character uh whether or not he might show up in the future uh in in the, the current timeline uh Florence Pugh's playing a young character that's kind of a sister to sister-ish to uh to Natasha so if you're looking at potential uh youth youth infused the MCU maybe she takes over the mantle of Black Widow because uh, Natasha Romanoff was not the only person in the comic books to uh, have that code name. Uh, there has not been a misstep by Marvel, so I think it's it is uh, a very very long time coming, and uh, I think should have happened a long time ago for Scarlett Johansson as one of the original Avengers to get her own film, and I'm excited. You know, my favorite, probably my favorite film in the franchise is Winter Soldier, and so much of that was kind of that 70s spy espionage. So if they can do this, and it'll be more grounded, the villainous taskmaster, uh, I could see it being a gender-bent taskmaster, taskmaster, yes, as uh, like it turns out to be Rachel Weiss, because in the the comics, the character's male, and the character is able to mimic, he has photographic uh, physical capabilities, so he's able to mimic anyone's... uh, physical movements towards him so he can like move like uh captain america or spider-man or do certain things so uh it's kind of vague power set but it, it could be interesting on film uh if he's been observing the avengers for a while um so i i have high hopes for this film and it's uh it might be a nice uh send off or launch of another maybe black widow sequel that takes place even after that there's a there's a little window of time that they could play with um then they really are pushing Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, these are TV shows, but they also um, I want to make an exception because they're very cinematic. So, like you have, I'll just touch on them very quickly. Um, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to be interesting. They said that they're bringing back Sharon Carter, uh, and they're going to be bringing back Baron Zemo, Daniel Bruhl's character from Civil War, and he's going to be donning the. Uh, the famous purple hood and uh, who knows about the crown, but that's going to be very interesting. Uh, I think I'm the most intrigued by that because of uh, the ramifications post end game and to see who is going to be taking up the shield. It's obviously from the movie seemed like it would be Sam, but there are rumors that both of them will be utilizing the shield throughout the series. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very high hopes for this. I'm very optimistic. So that'll be interesting. Um, another series that they're doing is Loki. And that Loki series is going to be following the Loki from the timeline in Endgame from 2012, who steals the Tesseract and pops away from New York City. So it doesn't have any ramifications on the MCU, seemingly. So they can kind of have fun and do whatever they want to do. Tom Hiddleston's going to be reprising the role. So that guy just oozes charm on screen, especially with that character. I'm really, really excited to see what they can do to kind of distract from the overall universe and kind of give uh, like a sorbet, a palate cleanser. Same with What If, an animated series with all the actors reprising their roles. So you thought you'd never see Robert Downey Jr. play Iron Man again, or Tony Stark, I should say, or Chris Evans as Captain America, or Haley Atwell as Agent Carter. Uh, Many of these People are going to be back voicing characters. Uh, they cast Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher. Uh, I don't know about the rights with Uatu the Watcher, but he will narrate the series. It'll be animated. And the first episode's supposed to be what if Steve Rogers didn't get the super soldier serum, but Peggy Carter did. And Howard Stark will make uh, Iron Man sort of suit for the pre-serum Steve Rogers. So things like that could be very, very uh very cool bend on what what the Marvel Universe has become. And it'll be nice to hear some familiar voices. Um, Vision, WandaVision, maybe the weirdest named show of them all, is going to be rumored to have a 50s, 50s uh, aesthetic, uh, ser- going through multiple like sitcoms. It's all sorts of weird stuff between Wanda and Vision. This would be maybe indicated because it's, um, her power set go, going over the top because of how powerful she is and not being able to deal with the grief of not having Vision anymore. Uh, and it leads directly into Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. She will be starring in it with Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Uh, it's going to be the MCU's first horror film. And the uh, the villain is supposed to be Nightmare. So this, the, I'm very excited for that film. Scott Derrickson's coming back to direct. I didn't love the first one. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the character Bennett of uh, of Doctor Strange much more in the Avengers films, and his appearance in Thor Ragnarok. Um, if they can visually portray his uh, strength and abilities as well as they did in Infinity War and. In his other appearances, I think people will very much enjoy this sequel, and it could turn out to be something really, really cool. They're going to do a Hawkeye series. Jeremy Renner is going to return, and there will be the appearance of Kate Bishop. This leads me to believe that in the future, with all the other things we've said, potentially a young Black Widow with Peter Parker, with uh, Kate Bishop making an appearance, younger and younger characters makes me believe that they're going to completely avoid trying to compete with what they did with Avengers and go with a young Avengers, where we can, might see an appearance of um, uh, Vision's daughter or uh, Miles Morales, who is hinted at with uh, Donald Glover playing his uncle, the Prowler. Uh, there's going to be, I think, some more characters that we don't know of that will be introduced in the future uh, that will end up stepping in, and I think we're going to get a young, some version of the young Avengers um, with Peter Parker kind of filling the role of the mix between Tony and 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 Steve in that leadership role. Um the other films that were announced were uh we had Doctor Strange, Black Widow, we're going to have Eternals, 
which is cast looks fantastic. Uh, it's about a race created of, of like deity type characters created by the Eternals. Uh, and it's going to take place in a pa- far distant past. Uh, Richard Madden is set to star Salma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, uh, a swath of people, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. Um, this is going to be even more obscure for most general audiences than even Guardians of the Galaxy was. So they really have all the world to work with, and um, this can turn out to be something really cool and help jumpstart that ideal cosmic universe that they had been planning with James Gunn. Um, After that, Thor, Love and Thunder, big surprise. They announced before Comic-Con that Taika Waititi would be returning uh, to direct and write Thor 4, but we finally got a reveal of the title, and... uh, they announced that they're going to be following Jason Aaron's storyline from the comic books and uh, introduced the Mighty Thor, which is Jane Foster taking up the helm of Mjolnir, becoming Thor herself. And Natalie Portman has returned to reprise the role, which is a big surprise because um, all reports indicated that she had zero interest in returning. Um and I think they had to use like stock footage and photographs of her appearances after the Dark World before this. So this is a huge surprise. I think she's got a lot more to work with now instead of just kind of being the damsel in distress like she was before. So uh, look, I look forward to whatever they do. Ragnarok was fantastic, and uh, it's really brought life back into the character, and and it launched that thrill, the trilogy of. Thor that we got in Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame that everyone really, really warmed up to the character, and he uh, blossomed. And I think it really brought Chris Hemsworth back into the idea of wanting to play this character for a while. I think he was very sour on it and now looks forward to it. Um, And then finally, they made the announcement that they're going to be making Blade. Blade is coming back. Apparently, after winning the Oscar for Green Book, Mahershala Ali called Marvel and Kevin Feige and said, I want to do something. And that something was Blade. So there's no timetable set for that. It seems like it's uh, it's on the table. They cast the character, and that's going to move forward. It'll be interesting to see how they explain the uh, complete lack of an acknowledgement of vampires in the MCU. But uh, who knows? Timey-wimey magic stuff. So shit will happen. Uh, but that is a fantastic actor to come in. Uh, he won two Oscars, and he's like, I want to play in the Marvel Universe now. So um, this could, if they decide they want to go this route, you make Blade and Deadpool your R-rated films for Marvel, and uh, you can you can try and pay homage to the Wesley Snipes films, but then create your own your own uh, your own thing, your own animal, and and really make it your own and. Anything that Feige touches is gold, so I'm excited for that. And it brings in the possibility of, you know, Moon Knight or or the Damon. There's uh Damon Hailstorm, I think, is getting a Hulu series, but the TV's never really connected all that much. Same thing with Ghost Rider. So who knows? They pop into the in in the Blade movie, whatever. You know, uh, that'll be. I think that will be a fantastically dark uh, film and. Uh, if the Doctor Strange 2 goes well with horror, that that speaks high volumes to what Blade could be for horror as well. You need to get somebody like from, I read online, somebody mentioned getting uh, one of the John Wick choreograph- choreographers to do that film. Because 
where the Blade movies lacked, the fight scenes were never an issue. They were always fantastic. So I think you really need to step your game up. And Wesley Snipes was a martial artist. Mahershala Ali is not, uh, I, at least I don't believe he is. So you really need to hit that nail on the head and, and slam dunk the funk, you know, make sure that that's really good because that's important to that character. Um, and then as he was walking off stage, Feige said he didn't get time to talk about all the sequels that we know will happen. Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, um, Guardians 3. But then he also, in passing, mentioned Fantastic Four and mutants in general. Now, D23 is coming up, and I expect a more announcement. I personally believe that this San Diego Comic-Con announcement was actually only half of this next phase. That following this this push, it seems like they're doing to, to get people to subscribe to Disney+, Plus, they will announce the slate for those films, and I think we're going to get a few surprises in there. Very long-winded, but uh, wanted to make sure I touched on everything I could from memory. But uh, thank you very much, and uh, go go check out some films. You guys have a good one. All right, thank you, Mike, for, for all that. Uh, let's move on to this week's movie releases. All right, hold the phone, because right as I was editing the podcast, this movie news dropped, and I could not let this movie news pass me by. The sequel to Venom is in need for a new director because Ruben Flesher has apparently stepped down from the project and some big news uh, and some big and surprising names have been listed off as potential replacements. First, The Hollywood Reporter reported that Sony Pictures had meetings with Andy Serkis, of all people, to direct. And, of course, Andy Serkis is an acclaimed motion uh, capture actor. Of course, he did Gollum for the uh, uh, for the Lord of the Rings movies, and he has done uh, motion capture for a bunch of other stuff. He is one of the pioneers behind motion capture. Uh, and Serkis has done some directing, does have some directing, uh, directing credits to his name. Uh, his directorial debut was a 2000, back in 2017 with the drama Breathe. Uh, he also did some second unit directing for Peter Jackson and the Hobbit trilogy. But recently he directed Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, which is on Netflix if you want to go check that out. Uh, it's basically the non-Disney version of uh, The Jungle Book. So that's pretty surprising. Variety, on the other hand, uh, has names like Rupert Wyatt, who directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes, who worked with Andy Serkis, uh, and he also recently did uh, Captive State, and they also have Travis Knight on that list. Travis Knight directed Kubo on the Two Strings. He also recently directed Bumblebee. Uh, he is also the head, still, of Lanka Studios, who do a lot of the motion uh, stop-motion um, animated movies. We don't know anything about the story or plot of Venom 2 other than we will see the return of Tom, uh, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock in Venom. And presumably we will have Woody Harrelson and his terrible wig uh, as the villain, uh, uh, Clacious Cassidy aka Carnage. But other than that we don't know anything about uh, Venom 2. Uh, we know that the script is being written by Kelly Marcel who had some hand in writing the first one. And apparently Sony wants to start filming in November so they can release the movie next year or the year after. Um, so a director could be announced sooner rather than later. But if they're meeting with Andy Serkis of all people, I think he probably has a good chance. Especially considering that, you know, if they want to go the motion capture route with Venom, 
you know, why not, you know, bring in the guy, the pioneer of motion capture and Andy Serkis. Uh, although the other guys wouldn't be too, too bad. You know, Rupert Wyatt, he did Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I really love what he did with that. Uh, Travis Knight, you know, uh, his first, you know, live action movie was Bumblebee. And he worked it pretty well with, uh, with some, you know, CGI characters. So this is a pretty good, solid three top contenders for that role. Uh, it kind of sounds like maybe they're aiming towards Circus, uh, and if that was the case, I'm all for it, because I think an Andy Circus Venom movie would be amazing for some reason, uh, so I'm all for this, I'm, I'm overly, I'm too excited for a Venom sequel, considering that I was very lukewarm about Venom in general, so, uh, yeah, I guess, why not, let's go ahead, let's do it, let's do it. Alright, so let's talk about this week's movie releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. We only got one. Uh, We only got one right here, and that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is the... It's being credited as the ninth movie. Again, we'll talk about... Let's just just go with it. The ninth movie, uh, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It follows a faded television actor, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and a stunt double, played by Brad Pitt, who strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969, Los Angeles. The film co-stars, I'm just going to name a few of them, because apparently everyone and their mother is in this movie, uh, Margot Robbie, uh, Margot Qualley, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, uh, Dakota Fanning, Timothy Oliphant, Kurt Russell, the late Luke Perry, Damon Hermion and Al Pacino. There's some, you know, everyone's saying it's pretty good. Everyone's saying it's a Tarantino return to form. They're comparing it to his original, his, his early stuff like Pulp Fiction. They're saying it's a really good movie. Obviously, there's some people saying that it's not a good movie. There's people saying that uh, the best parts of the movie are DiCaprio and Pratt's, uh, DiCaprio and Pitt's chemistry. I was looking forward to it. Uh, when I saw the trailers, I'm still looking forward to it. Obviously, you have the um, you have the the whole Charlie Manson aspect to it. Uh, Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, which if you know that story, you probably kind of maybe knows. Uh, I haven't read anything. Obviously, I'm not you know being on the on spoiler uh, on spoilers, so I don't read anything uh, spoiler wise. So I don't know if maybe they'll go all the way with what actually happened. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, I'm liking everything. You know, I, I like all the stuff. You know, Tarantino, his movies have... You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, I, I stand Tarantino and, you know, I bow at his feet. Uh, a lot of his movies are pretty good until they're not. And uh, there's certain aspects of his movies that I... Uh, not certain aspects, but there's certain parts in a lot of his movies where I'm just like, at some point, I'm just like, get to the point, <laughs> you know? But I... I and that's not saying that I don't like him or anything, you know, I, I think him personally, I kind of have some issues with, but his movies, uh, all great, all good, uh, at least decent, you know, I don't think he really has a bad movie, uh, I think there's probably movies where, or there's maybe one movie where, where we're all just like, yeah, he could have done something different with that one, but, um, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, I, I guess I would say I am a Tarantino fan. I, I would say that. Obviously, his movies are not for everyone. Um, you know, he's obviously a very big film fanatic and a, a cinephile. And you can clearly see that, obviously, 
uh, through his work, all you know, throughout his whole career, especially his early stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. I have not seen it yet. Uh, I found out that it was really long. I was going to watch it on Thursday, and then I found out how long it was. I was like, I got work the next day. I can't be in a movie theater at a 7 o'clock show and then get out to like 10.30 uh, and then come back home and go to sleep and have to wake up early the next day. I'm not going to do that. Because uh, I'm getting old. I'm getting older. I can't do that anymore. Uh, I can do that for the Marvel movies. I'm okay with that. But uh, for a two and a half hour movie. Uh, or over two, over two and a half hours. Uh, I should say. Nah, I'm not doing that. Uh, so. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. But uh, I'm excited for it. Again. It's getting some pretty decent reviews. Uh, so hopefully we have another good movie coming out. Uh, it's all by its lonesome this weekend. So uh, we'll see how that works out. And that's it, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, thank you to Mike once again for giving us his thoughts about Comic-Con. Thank for all you guys listening. Uh, obviously, you can find everything you, you can uh, that we talked about on the podcast down below. All the links to the trailers down below in the description slash show notes area. If you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, let me know what your thoughts were right there directly in the comment section. Uh, and also, while you're down there, give me a like and a f- uh, subscribe. I'm going to set a follow. I mean, I guess you can follow me on social media on the links that I put down there for my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I've kind of been ignoring the Facebook page. I'm sorry. Uh, work has been um, kind of taking away a lot of my a lot of my free time, more than I thought that it would this summer. But, um, but yeah, all the links to social media are down there as well. What else is down there? Uh, a bunch, just whatever you can find. Now, my WordPress account, which is where I do my written reviews, I haven't done one in a while, but I will be do- start doing those again soon. But yeah, that's it. I don't want to take up too much, too much more, t- too much more of your time before I start stuttering all over the place. So I think that's a, a good sign to call it quits. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week. If you're listening to us on YouTube, just do all the stuff I told you. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave me a rating review. It helps out the podcast in the long run. If I get more listeners, I will get to do you know, what I really want to do with the podcast, which is expand it and make it more accessible and make it more fun for you guys. So, uh, I mean, I'm trying to do that already, but if I get more people and get more interactions, I can, you know, easily do that a lot more, um, with that. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so go ahead and do that. And, uh, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for, uh, for all the love. Be good people. Have a safe and fun weekend, and as always, go watch some movies. Woo-hoo! Yeah! Give it up! Movies!